Between buying or selling a business, there are a lot of points to consider. From a tax standpoint, to hiring the right employees and management team, especially if you won't be involved in the daily operations of the business, you need to set realistic goals. Analyze how the business is performing and make sure that everyone in your business has a common direction in mind. Welcome to The Michael Saunders Show. Host Michael Saunders and co-host Warren Whitus are here to answer your questions with a high level of expertise and knowledgeable guests. Now, here are Michael and Warren. Welcome, everyone, to The Michael Saunders Show. My name is Warren Whitus, and I will be one of your hosts today, along with Jesse Jameson, our executive producer, and Michael Saunders, who's the owner of Lesson and Associates Business Brokers. This week's special guest is Robert Beatty. Now, Robert has been with us uh, back in October after uh, our buddy, uh, Mr. Uh, Kent Hovick, was, Hoven was on, and he shed some light in some of that. So, But on, on the 21st of October, we had Kent Hoven on the show, and we interviewed him, and he told us all about how great he was and, you know, his ministry and his Dino Adventure Park in Lexington, Alabama, and... Uh, you know, but what he didn't, what he really didn't want to talk about much was that he just spent 10 years in jail, or nine and a half actually, and had three years probation. Uh, the following week, though, we invited Robert Beatty, who is a retired IRS agent, who really was plugged into the whole scene and really knew what was going on uh, with, with that whole thing with, with Hoven. And so uh, since, since then, there's been some other things happening. And Robert's Robert's going to kind of bring us up to speed on what's happened, uh, what kind of documents have been filed with the government, and all that. So, Robert, if you don't mind, if you if you just kind of bring us up to speed, and let's go from there. Thank you for inviting me back on. I think as things are playing out, the the Michael Saunders show has a substantive place in the history of the Kent Hovind story as a result of Kent appearing on your show on October 21st. I think that was uh, the broadcast date was October 21st, 21st, which I think was a Monday. That is correct. That show would have been recorded a week earlier on a Tuesday. That's correct. And so my show was broadcast on the 28th, a week after Kent's broadcast. But what happened during that week is kind of interesting, and I give the Michael Saunders show credit. Uh, my show was recorded on the 22nd, the day after the broadcast of Kent's show. Hope I'm not losing anybody here. And that my show was going to be broadcast on the 28th was advertised starting on the 21st, shortly after we recorded that. And I don't, I think it's the case that Kent became aware of that. And what happened between that time and the broadcast of my show? Some interesting things. And let me lay a little bit more foundation for why I'm saying this. Kent, for a long, long time, has been claiming we're going to do something. It's not over till it's over. We're going to do something. And he never did anything except talk about doing something. And so we see now 
maybe as a direct result of his appearance on your show that he's doing something. And maybe in part that's because you had me on as well. He was in a debate, or let me back up just before the debate issue. On the 24th, a broadcast Kent had on the 24th on his YouTube channel. That's three days after his broadcast on your show. Mm-hmm. He had his chum, Brady Byram, on talking about how Kent did no wrong and making all sorts of outlandish and false claims, one of which deals with structuring. The issue, Kent says, is foundational to understanding his problem. We talked about that somewhat on the last show. And Brady came on and claimed that he had proved out of the Rhinus case that's spelled R-E-I-N-I-S, that there's no such thing as structuring. That's what Brady was saying in a YouTube broadcast shortly after the broadcast of Kent's appearance on your show. And even stronger than that, Brady went on to say, there's not a single person in America who can prove me wrong. I hope to show you why that's false by proving Brady wrong tonight, if not proving, at least laying the foundation for those who want to look at the proof. Uh, And then a couple of days later on the 25th or the next day, Kent had an online YouTube debate with a guy named Mark Drysdale, an evolutionist. And there was a question and answer period. And somebody submitted a question to the moderator about me. And uh, let me just read this off to you. Before the moderator could even complete the question, Kent jumps in. The moderator says, I don't know who Robert Beatty is. I guess it's a person who, and Kent jumps in before the question can be asked and says, Robert Beatty is a former IRS agent that they called out to just hassle me. He had three, three followers until he started picking on Kent Hovind. He had three, three followers. He jumped up to 80 followers. He is a legend in his own mind. No, I won't debate him on structuring. Structuring is unrelated to anything about creation evolution. I did not break the structuring law. There's a whole website, KenHovindIsInnocent.com. Video number three goes on for an hour and a half from my paralegal, that would be Brady Byram, on that topic. I did not break any structuring laws, but they did give me 10 years in prison for it, and we're going to fight that until I die. We're going to win. No, I wouldn't give Robert Beatty the time of day. He's not interested in truth at all. Robert, go away. Robert, at one time, didn't, didn't he say uh, that you were hired by the government to track that, him, to, that, to monitor his activities? I thought he said that at one point. Well, that's been a popular rumor, and he, he alludes to it here by saying they. They called him out just to hassle me. Uh, hmm. 
that's been a popular rumor, and I play into it sometimes on the internet. Uh, you know, you can have fun with that, yeah. and uh, me and some people have had a lot of fun with it. <laughs> but I think Kent knows that's not true. Yeah. But he says a lot of things about me, but he won't face the he truth. Won't, he won't about debate you one on one. Yeah. Hey, can hey, I? Can I? Can I add one thing, Robert? Robert, I cc'd you on this email, I believe, but I believe I sent Brady Byram an email asking if he wanted to go ahead and have a debate with you, to which no response. Mm -hmm. With uh, Mr. Hansen, reached out to him. Again, he declined to come on, or at least hasn't uh, come on uh, thus far. And I know, Warren, I know that you've sent uh, an email, plus also a voicemail, I think, where you asked uh, Dr. Hoven himself. Yep. If he wanted to come back on. So I just want the listeners at, uh, at home, especially if you are a Kent Hovind follower, to know that they are not wanting to come on and tell their story, to which I would ask you the question, why? And now, Robert, I'll give the mic back to you, sir. Uh, Kent says that structuring is unrelated to the creation-evolution controversy, and most people would agree with that. However, that's a deception, a red herring, perhaps. More often than not, significantly more often than not, I would propose to you that wherever Kent has gone and presented his seminar, he brings up structuring in his prison time and claims he's innocent and all of that. So whether it's related to evolution or creation or not is irrelevant. Kent is making a very public issue of it, and he's hiding out from facing a legitimate opponent uh, and dealing with the facts. He, he referred to the law of structuring in that uh, comment directed at me. Let me see if I can find it here. I did not break the structuring law. And the day before, he had Brady on his show saying, I proved there's no such thing as structuring. No man in America can prove me wrong. Why won't they face some of those men out in America? The Rhinus case, he had a lot to say in that video about the Rhinus case. And in fact, it doesn't have really anything to do with whether or not Kent Hovind broke the uh, structuring law. It was a different time, a different place, different circumstances. And the law on structuring is not the same now as it was then. I have the Rhinus case here. We can look at that just briefly if you'd like to, and I'll explain that further. Please, please do. But please let, me do. Ask, let me ask you this as you're, as you're grabbing your information there. You made it sound based on your last statement. Do laws evolve then, Robert, or do we amend laws in that process? In other words, if, if a law hasn't been amended, Shouldn't it be applied the exact same way? Does Hovind have a, a case in this? And I don't, I've never heard of this Rhinus issue. Well, I, read, I read a little bit about it today, but I didn't really catch the whole thing. Okay. They didn't explain Hopefully it. I can make it simple enough and practical enough where most people, most adults with some life experience will understand, yeah, it works that way all the time. The Rhinus case Mr. Rhinus was a, a criminal, and he was structuring cash transactions, but like I say, the law was different then. 
and that was back in the 80s. And what happened there in the summary is his conviction for aiding and abetting the bank's failure to report currency transactions was reversed. So they had originally convicted him. He appealed the conspiracy charge. Uh, the bank had not been reporting his transactions, and so he was sucked into that prosecution. And it, the court says the bank did not violate the law by not treating multiple transactions on the same day as a single transaction. Why didn't they violate the law by not reporting that? It was because of a failure somewhere along the line in the government process. Can you believe that? The government make a mistake? The, the requirement that the bank report multiple transactions on the same day was put on the form advising the banks of their responsibility, but that requirement had never been enacted, or as Brady likes to say, promulgated as a regulation. So in the Rhinus case, they determined the bank was not required to report those transactions because the requirement was flawed by never having been properly enacted as a regulation. I guess the IRS just stuck it on the form and skipped the regulatory process. And so since the bank was not in violation of the rules, Rhinus could not be convicted of conspiring to violate the rules. Let me see if I understand this correctly, because that one, that one was a little challenging for me, but let me just see if I understand it. So the IRS makes a law, the court enacts it, makes it you know, official or what have you, but it still requires some sort of application. And I assume sometimes from forming a law to applying it, there's a little bit of a grace period. In that grace period, that's when this uh, Rhinus case kind of occurred. And since they were the first bad apple, so to speak, and they didn't even realize they were a bad apple in this scenario, I assume they got kind of an, an exemption. Is that is that? Well, no, I, I wouldn't put it that way. The, the Congress says we're going to make the banks report these cash transactions. Uh, but we don't want to get into the details, so we'll let the IRS write the regulations as to how that's going to be put into practice and the IRS said in part if you have multiple transactions in one day over $10,000 the bank should report that and there's a way <clears throat> for the IRS to public regulations and have hearings sometimes and do whatever they do before the regulation actually becomes effective as a matter of law apparently that was not done they just put it on the form. And so the court said, you can't just put stuff like that on the form and prosecute people for not doing it. It's got to be in the law or in the regulations. It wasn't in the regulations that had been properly gone through the process. Okay, gentlemen, can we take a brief break here so we can uh, let, the, let the commercials... Uh, Merry Christmas to all. Yeah, I'll have to get that edited out. <laughs> anyway. We'll see you guys soon.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Bravehearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input too. Listen for Brave Hearts Radio, Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. There are many innocent people who are found guilty of crimes that they did not commit. Join criminal defense investigator Jeff Stein for Is There Really Truth and Justice for All? Each show, we'll discuss the problem, and it is a problem. The fact that because of incompetent investigations and a poor judicial system, anybody can become a victim. Can we fix this? Tune in to find out. You can listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Every day, we're surrounded by technical buzzwords and jargon that can go way over our heads. Now, there's a show that brings it all back down to earth. Tune in for today, Tomorrow's Technologies, with host Jose Negron. We'll not only explain the new technologies that are shaping our world, we'll give you the benefits and backstory of these technologies. Listen for T3 with Jose Negron, live every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Michael Saunders Show. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to sales at yourbusinessbrokers.com. That's sales at yourbusinessbrokers.com. Now, back to The Michael Saunders Show. Uh, welcome back to The Michael Saunders Show. Uh, Robert, before we left, you were, you were talking about the structuring at, at the bank, the, the Renas case, um, which was back in the 80s. And I'm not sure that was applicable when, when uh, Mr. Hoven tried to play his his structuring scheme in in the 2000 era. So, could you uh, kind of pick up on that and just kind of? Well, okay. Uh, not long after Kent's appearance on your show in October, he had Brady in a broadcast on his YouTube channel, claiming that the Rainis case proved there's no such thing as structuring and that there's no one in America that could prove him wrong. I've been trying to explain it narratively why he's wrong, and people can look at the record uh, and satisfy themselves on that issue. But the Rainis case has nothing to do with the issue of whether or not Kent Hovind was guilty of structuring and whether Kent Hovind uh, was subject to a structuring law. In the Rainis case, Ms. Rainis had been prosecuted as a conspirator with the bank for not filing the cash transactions report, and that was based on a rule that had not been properly regulated, and so the court said it's not a crime if there's not a rule, a proper rule. So Rainis' conviction 
was overturned. And typically, for those with a little life experience, you realize that law is complicated. It's not 1776 anymore. And from time to time, you have a law, especially new law, and there's a transition time where you try to figure out, does it work? Should we have more rules, more regulations? How simple is this? How complicated is it? So the fact that the rule they were discussing in the Rainis case was never properly promulgated doesn't have anything to do with whether it has been since. You got to figure if they thought it was a good rule, they wouldn't waste any time fixing it, whatever that defect was. So I think if you look today, you'll find that the rule in the Rainis case, which really is not relevant to Kent Holbein's case, is in the regs, and you ask your banker about it, and you'll find out that they comply as much as they can with that rule. But that's not the issue in Kent's case. They also, since Rainis, came up with a standalone structuring statute. It's not the same statute that it was back in those days. Now we have a standalone structuring statute, and that's the statute that Kent Hovind was subject to. And I think Kent Hovind's oft-repeated false claim about structuring goes back to Rainus and these two or more a day transactions. That's what Rainus was involved with, but that's not what structuring, it, that, that can be structuring, but that's not all structuring is. In Kent's case, and as the law and the regulations state, one transaction a day under $10,000 can be structuring facts and circumstances. In Kent's case, the facts and circumstances, the evidence were convincing, and he's even admitted to facts sufficient to convict him of what the law actually was in his case. Robert, let's, let's break that down for the audience. So the, the structuring limit is 10,000. So if, some, um, if you take 10,000 out of your bank account, the bank itself is supposed to uh, let the IRS know that or flag it or, or what have you. But what you're saying is that even if you go under that amount, so in this case, let's say you did 9,500, but if you do it in a weird pattern where let's say every single day you're doing 9,500 or every single business day, I don't know, to me that looks really shady because if you know that the bank's not going to report something 10,000 or over and you're purposely saying, staying slightly under 10,000, to me, that does seem like something synonymous, not only with drug dealers, as Kent Hovind would say, but anybody that's trying to get uh, away from the IRS knowing what they're doing. So is, in, that, is that what you're saying, too? In Kent's case, uh, drug dealers and tax cheating Baptist preachers are equally <laughs> subject to the structuring law. They're about the same. Yeah. If the bank fundamentally is obligated to report transactions over $10,000 in cash. Then you have that one law or one regulation that says if you make two or more cash transactions 
in one day that exceed 10,000. None of them are over 10,000 individually, but together they're over 10,000. The bank may be obligated to report that. Uh, there are also, I think, some, some regulatory requirements about suspicious transactions. Uh, there is, by the which, way. Which is what you were talking about, yeah. Jesse. You know, yeah. these, these look funny. The bank has, uh, I think the sophistication is pretty good these days. The banks have lots of programs, algorithms, and all that stuff to figure out when they should be reporting suspicious transactions. In Kent's case, I don't know what might have tripped him up, whether the bank reported it as suspicious transactions or he, he, he made a couple of transactions uh, over 10000 on a couple of days. It might have spurred a report or two, but I'm not sure how they actually decided to pick up on that issue and found out that he's, he's uh, withdrawn just under 10000 in cash regularly. And he was doing it to avoid the bank reporting. And that's really what structuring is all about. Not that you take $10,000 out of your bank account or $50. Kent tries to make everybody believe they're structuring if he was because they take money out of their bank account. But he was taking it out to avoid the bank reporting rules. Most of us don't do that. And that's where we're different than Kent. Kent was taking out that amount on a regular basis. He wasn't reporting the income, and he was doing it to avoid having the bank report it. That's the simple answer to the matter that he does not want to talk about. I have an I have a interesting gossip question for you, Robert. I thought I've heard somewhere, and I could be completely wrong, so if Kent Hoven, if you're listening to this and you never said anything like this, I apologize, but I thought in one of those hundreds of hours worth of videos and stuff I've seen of him, I could have sworn there was a point where he had mentioned that in the last 20 or 30 years, he himself had never paid personal income tax, yeah, I and like I said, I, I don't want to misspeak, but it, when they get him for structuring... I look at that as in how come they weren't able to get them for the last 30 years of personal income tax or are there weird ways where people can get out of personal income tax that we don't know about that maybe we should? Well, the income tax is a little harder to develop uh, and, you know, time and resources and all of that. Uh, I think in, in Kent's particular case, as a matter of prosecutorial discretion, they settled on the employment tax and structuring and obstruction issues for criminal purposes and civilly on his personal income tax matters. Uh, they might have been able to get criminal convictions on his personal income tax. I don't know. Ernie Land brags about how they tried two or three times in grand juries and Ernie Land always talked them out of it. So that might have been a factor. And it might have been, you know, for those years and years, he wasn't making that much money. He's probably liable, but he probably beat the system uh, as far as paying what he is due. But they did finally set him up uh, for several million dollars, including the fraud penalty on his personal income taxes. 
And so they got a pretty nice package with him. And he did say in one video, I think he used the uh, 28 years figure for not having filed a tax return and challenged the IRS to come get him. And so they did. (laughs) (laughs) So the reality is, is he might have got a little bit lucky on the civil side or what have you, but uh, either way, he still got something. I, I, I know that with Capone, the IRA or the government wasn't able to get him with racketeering or this, that, and the other, but they were able to get them with like tax fraud, right? Yeah, Yeah, that's the way the story goes. Yeah. Uh, And in Kent's case, they got him on structuring and employment taxes and criminally. uh, Al Capone, I guess, they got criminally on his personal taxes, but they settled for the civil taxes on Kent, which is not unusual at all. Uh, Paul John Hansen, Kent's sovereign citizen guru, tried to make it say, sound like if they had a case against Kent on his personal income taxes, they would have prosecuted him. And that's just not true. And led into a discussion there, uh, trying again to evade or avoid talking about his personal income tax issues. And if you talk to him, I think he'll, he'll say something to the effect that, well, personal income taxes, I'm not liable for anyway. I really wish we could get Paul on. Paul, you're probably listening to this. Give give me a call. Give me an email. Find find a way. We'll put you on. We'll even we'll even have Robert on muted. So <laughs> no, we won't have Robert on that day, Paul. Just give us a call. We'll figure something out. Michael, you had a question about Paul or about Byram, didn't you? Yes, I mean I'm listening to this and what we just had tonight. And as a business person, and I have employees and stuff like that, it never occurs to me, where do they come up with these situations that they think they can get by with local authorities and national authorities? You pay your taxes. You pay your employee taxes. I don't understand where they think they can get away with this long term. I mean, maybe short term. I don't know. I've never had that in my mind. But just like with, with Byron and Paul John, I mean, how, how are these people getting involved in this and such heavily involved? Because they've got to be professional people that know what the laws are. And why are they thinking they're going to beat this? Nobody beats it long term. I don't know the answer to, to all of that. I think it's a lifestyle change very much so. Uh, Brady Tell Byron. me about your life, what you mean lifestyle. You're talking about in well, that you got to be willing of, of what he has. Well, you maybe have to be judgment proof in a sense. Uh, you have to be willing to spend some time in jail. Uh, I don't care attitude. Brady Byron's got a history of being in and out of jail. Uh, uh, he's he's disassociated from his family. Divorced. Uh, he raised his kids in that sovereign citizen lifestyle and they've had to dig themselves out of it. Uh, and he's a shady character. You look at some of the cases he's been involved in and how he does it. I, I don't know. It's fascinating to me. You know, not very long ago, I heard the rumor that he'd had his car impounded again, <laughs> maybe because he got stopped without a license. Uh, 
Well, you know, if you, if you know, you're the type of person that. that can rock and roll with that, you know, that's fine. I couldn't I mean, do it. Most people couldn't do it. I mean, isn't it kind of like, I mean, you can compare it to drug dealers. They live on the edge. They, they know there's always that possibility they're going to get caught, but they don't care. You know, they're going to live on the edge. They're going to take that money. They're going to have a good time. And they don't, they don't expect to live a long life. So they say, I'm going to live on the edge. I'm going to do what I've got to do. I'm going to enjoy the money, the women, everything else that goes along with the drug dealing. And I don't care. I don't plan you know, on collecting Social Security. I've got something to say about that. I actually know some people since we first started talking about this that really believe in him in the beginning. And I was surprised. He is a relative of mine. I'm not calling him out. And I'm like, how did you get into this? You're a smart professional. Still is. Very smart. Very, very successful. Do you believe? Is it like a cult thing that you're believing what they're saying? When you know normal people are not going to think this. And I'm still fascinated that these people, most people, are people that are sound mind and body and want to raise their kids up to be the same way. How does it get to this point where they have so many followers in this? It just fascinates me. Can well, you it's a, it's a, what's happening? It's a phenomenon to me. Some social scientists and others may need to spend some time with it, maybe have. I don't have too many of the answers, but Kent Hovind, like Brady Byram, you know, the family's broken. Uh, the, the other family members reportedly don't want to have anything to do with him. Uh, he's an excellent example, a classic case perhaps of a narcissist. It's all about Kent. Uh, and I'm God's man, and what can I do if you're not with me? You're against God, be gone. Uh, and uh, I, I'm not so familiar with Paul John Hansen's background. He did come from a wealthy family, and that perhaps set him up pretty well to where he could pretty much do what he wanted, <laughs> and he's done that and uh, didn't mind spending time in jail uh, along the way and doing his thing. One of the one of the other things uh, I was wanting to get to in noting the historic uh, nature of your program with Kent and how that might have been the stimulus for him to actually do something instead of just talking about doing something for so long, because it was shortly after that that he did file what he called a motion to vacate his 2006 convictions. And fortunately for us observers, uh, about two days after he filed that. Well, hold on. Don't tell us yet. Let's go to yeah, break we're, on we're that gonna, suspenseful yeah, we'll note. <laughs> we'll be right back. Stay with us. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Have you ever experienced the joy of living? Not just aspects of your life, but the true joy of life itself. Barry Shore has. You could call him an ambassador of joy. From a successful entrepreneur to becoming a quadriplegic due to a rare disease to his ongoing recovery through swimming and physical rehabilitation. 
Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. We all know that today our country is in many ways run by vested interests, which have accumulated large amounts of power for themselves and at our expense. But this can be changed by recognizing the problems and then by adopting libertarian solutions to address them. Tune into All Rise, the Libertarian Way with Judge Jim Gray. Judge Gray and his guests will discuss the problem areas of today and then present solutions that result in a better world for ourselves and and our children. Tune in Fridays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. After years of waiting, there's a radio show for shotgunning enthusiasts worldwide. Tune into Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation for the very best in wing and clay shooting talk. Join Marty and his guests as they bring you hunting and shooting information that you can use. So whether you're a beginner or a seasoned pro, this show can be your go-to source for wing and clay shooting information. Listen live every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific for Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to The Michael Saunders Show. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to sales at yourbusinessbrokers.com. That's sales at yourbusinessbrokers.com. Now, back to The Michael Saunders Show. Welcome back to The Michael Saunders Show. Our guest is Robert Brady. And Robert is going to tell us about the motion that... Kent submitted to the U.S. government uh, that he was not guilty of what he was charged with and what he spent 10 years in jail for. So, Robert, if you would go ahead and take off on that, please. Yes. In closing out the previous session, I mentioned that Kent had filed what has been what he has called a motion to vacate his 2006 criminal convictions, and in remarkable speed. The, the federal district court in Pensacola responded within a couple of days or so and, and told Kent that it's not going to work. Uh, we, we can't accept this. It's being denied for lack of jurisdiction, of all things. Uh, but his, his motion to vacate is a sovereign citizen-type compilation of directions to the court and an affidavit if you're not familiar with the affidavit issue, it's very popular with these anti-government activists. Uh, I see it a lot in the child welfare cases. They got some promoters there claiming you file this affidavit, you win your case, and all this stuff. And remember, Kent's criminal conviction was in 2006. He spent eight or nine years or so in prison, got out in 2015. And back then, he filed about 100 different motions in his case, filed numerous appeals. He never won anything, and now he's pulling this stuff out of the hat. After bragging for years, it's never over. You can always do something. 
I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. And then, interestingly enough, he shows up on the Michael Saunders show just before I show up. And lo and behold, he does something frivolous, but he does something. The court quickly tells him, this is, this is not how we do things around here. Uh, we're going to deny this for lack of jurisdiction. And you have 14 days to tell us why that's not the right course to take. You think Kent is going to let the court tell him to respond in 14 days? Nope. Kent sat on his hands. And then all of a sudden, he comes up on a video or two with Paul John Hansen in tow. And now they're going to file a brand new something or another a 21-page something or another that's going to blow the whole federal court system to smithereens and get Kent's case vacated. He was supposed to have filed that yesterday. I've found no record of it yet. Maybe it'll show up later this week. It will be interesting to see another classic example of Paul John Hansen's sovereign citizen legal theory as it applies to Kent Hovind's case. That might be for the next show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I did see today where they, they did submit it yesterday, I guess it was. I haven't seen it. I heard him saying he was. That, that's what I heard, too. On I haven't YouTube. found a docket record of it yet. Yeah, where would you find that at? Would you have uh, to go to the state? I, I use the PACER system, which has the federal courts on it. Uh, Sometimes what happens is a, a person will file a document like yesterday and the court will take several days before deciding how they want to post it to the record. So maybe he filed it yesterday and the court just hadn't decided what to do with it yet. Okay. So, so it could show up. Uh, I look for it to show up. I think Kent and John or Paul John Hansen have got something going and we're going to find out about it. Right. And he also advertised a new website, which nobody can find yet. It's not up and running, although he said it, it, he intended it to be. Now, I did read about his, uh, actually, it was Ken Hoven is innocent dot live. I, I saw that today. They have, there's a lot of videos on there. Is there? I couldn't, find, I couldn't get it to come up. I, I, did, I didn't get it on YouTube. I think I just typed it in on Google, and it came up, and there was a, there was at least eight to ten videos there. Now, I'll keep were, looking for it. Yeah, it's, it's a long, it's a long process, but yeah, it's designed to be Brady Byram's showcase of his uh, knuckleheaded legal theories, <laughs> including the Rainus case, which we talked about right. earlier. Right. And he, even Kent has mentioned that it's some of the most boring stuff you'll ever watch, and that's why Kent has even gone to saying, "At least look at video number three. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting, but that, but it is out there, and they, I know they were talking about it today um, on on YouTube. Anyway, Robert, I I had mentioned this earlier, and maybe we could just talk about it for a brief minute or two. But what what in your eyes? How how do you view sovereign citizenry? Because because when I whenever I see a YouTube video on it, it always looks like somebody that just doesn't want to fall in line with court protocols or with a policeman, you know, pulling them over on the side of the road, and they definitely never seem to want to have any interest in paying taxes. 
do they see themselves like apart from the country? And if so, I mean, isn't that kind of anti-American? And, and do you think? Well, I think a lot of them have, have other social economic issues that make that a, a friendly theology to get into. Uh, again, if you're able to live with the consequences and there are some people uh, that uh, have done real well in promoting it. it it's kind of like the religion business. You see these televangelists raking in millions of dollars and, and it's real appealing. Uh, but when you work down past the million dollar preacher, uh, things are not necessarily so rosy for everybody else. And so you have people like Kent, he's doing just fine. Uh, but some of the people he might influence and wind up in jail and lose their kids and lose their wife, or lose and their we'll, job. And we'll uh, never hear their story. Right. Never, right. I, I, I saw, that's the way it worked in the tax protest movement. People tell you, don't pay your taxes. It's illegal and all that stuff. They were doing just fine. And the IRS was prosecuting people that believed that stuff. And they were really taking some pretty hard hits. Families breaking up and going to jail and economic collapse and all sorts of things because they listened to some guy that uh, was just better at the game and to their own peril. Yes, definitely. Uh, Warren, did you have any thoughts that you wanted to hear for the last segment with Robert or Michael? I have something. Go ahead, Warren. But I'm no, go ahead, Michael. I know what you're going to ask. Go ahead. <laughs> Well, I, it's coincidentally, I have been look. I have just moved and been looking at different churches and stuff. And I've long have had a little bit of issues with ministers that come from a smaller church and you build yourself up to larger churches, just like companies do, which is no problem. But I see, and I've recently, I've been hitting different churches and, and they're all, the hearts are there. But I see him coming out, and I'm like, is this a sermon, or is this a Vegas show group here? I mean, it's just got so far left and right, and the ministers have so much money coming in, and I'm not talking negative about it, it's just the way it is. Do the people that's going to the church realize how much money is going through the larger churches? And where is it actually completely going? And just like, you know, we're talking about now, we've got a, this following is following this person, no matter what it goes on with him from a personal standpoint or from a church standpoint, what he says is what they're believing, even though that most of them are professionals and know that this is not right. It really bothers me when I see this, especially when I've been, you know, looking at this with you guys. How did we get to this point? Because most people are smart, they're family-oriented, they're religious. Whether you're religious or not, you can see the right and wrong. But here we are again in the same situation, well, about the same type of thing. Michael, you know here in Dallas as well as Houston, we've got ministers that make millions of dollars. That's right. Drive brand-new Jaguars and wear $1,000 suits. And I don't there, want to get involved. I mean, I, I know that what you're saying. I'm trying to be politically. That correct. bothers me. I won't go to that church. That bothers me. Personally. I just went to one, which I won't bring up. I'm looking for a new church because I, I went, you know, moved. 
And I'm sitting there, and this guy acted like he was on the Vegas Strip. Not in a bad way, but the $1,000 suits. He's going on a personal trip promote a uh, business book that he's got. Nothing about the church. Nothing about religion. It's about business. And I'm sitting there going, they're actually promoting this to probably a thousand people, not counting the people on TV and online. You think they'd be smart enough to see through that? That that veil of, well, this is religion and the religion. And, you know, the people that are going to the church are the ones that are going to pay for those Correct. Well, this is a perfect example. Here's my relative, so into this person, what he's saying, and yet I know he's a very smart man, very successful man, but he's blowing off everything I'm saying that are facts to where he believes because he believes what this person's saying about no taxes should be paid and all this stuff. What you're really, what you're really mad at is the prosperity preaching that's going on Correct. because because I'm a firm believer that a lot of this life that we live deals with with suffering and not everything is you know rosy and a bowl full of you know cherries so to speak yeah. and but but here's the interesting thing and Robert you know you and I have been watching Kent Hovind longer than maybe Michael and mm. Warren have I never got the vibe that uh, Kent was a prosperity preacher what I got was that he was using science and why don't you buy these supplements and apricot seeds. And now the other day I heard him selling Shackley vitamins. Yeah, I saw and I, 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 that blew me away. Oh, my, oh, my, oh. My, my feeling with him is just like, I feel like he's just always liked having his own Disneyland. I might be wrong, but I see him as slightly different than a prosperity preacher. Cause I don't <laughs> think Robert, I've never heard him talk really too much more than just evolution. It's almost like, it's almost like he doesn't like talking about the other parts of faith, even though lately he's been doing these, uh, like right now he's doing the Exodus stuff, right? Where he's talking about certain parts of the old Testament to his he does. Flock. He does try to present the image of not a prosperity preacher talks about his 50 cent Hawaiian shirts and he, never had a new car and all this stuff, but he built up uh, a million dollar real estate empire in Pensacola and he's on the same road today in Alabama. Uh, and he pretty much gets what he wants. He supposedly just doesn't want that much, but transparency is not something that you see in what he does. And typically what you see is his performances and what he's like in real life. You hear stories uh, from time to time. Theodore probably has some stories. His wife, if she would talk, have some stories. His children, other people he's associated with. And, and I've heard some of those. Uh, but I would not put him in with the uh, million-dollar televangelist and the thousand-dollar suits and the new Jaguars and all that stuff. He is different from them for what that's worth. Uh, but it's a different its a different type of, of medicine that he gives. So, you know, right. he's, he's still looking for fans. He's still looking for support. 
Um, he kind of makes it look like if you're on his side, you're just against this evil thing called evolution. And, uh, and the evolutionists kind of, I, I, I'm a firm believer. We were talking that what he's up to 140,000 subscribers, Warren. I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer that half those people are anti Hoven people. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a firm believer. It's not all pro is what I'm saying. Some, some have proposed that his compound would become a sovereign citizen haven. And we might be seeing some of that as it evolves. Uh, Brady Byron spending time there, Paul John Hansen, others, uh, with obvious anti-government sentiments, uh, which can be exploited. Uh, and there's a veil of secrecy over who really comes and goes down there and what's going on. Uh, I thought it was interesting in, in a recent video, Kent said, of course I want to have uh, Arsenal again. That's why I want to get my case overturned. I love guns. That's my oh, wow. para paraphrase. Somebody well, he's, like, asked he's on about probation that. now. He can't. He can't he have a gun. Have guns. No. No. Well, his his supervised release has expired, but he's a convicted felon. So I think that gun uh, restriction may be his lifetime. Hmm. Uh, okay. But the the question, uh, and I've heard rumors. The question comes up. Can't say it. I can't own firearms, but uh, what kind of arsenal? is being uh, created on the compound yeah. uh, by the people there, if not Kent personally. Well, and, and they, can always, they can always buy them on the market, on the black market. They can get guns. They can get anything they want. They, he just can't walk into a store and buy one. Yeah. yeah. They got rid of the refuge stuff, so even if he does call that a church, he can't, like, keep uh, people that are with warrants against the law against them, right? Wasn't that the old way? Couldn't you, you didn't you, couldn't you seek oh. refuge in a church back in the day, or is that uh, long gone? I think that's long gone. Oh, okay. <laughs> maybe eight, maybe seventeen hundreds, but no, no, no. Not, not You're thinking about no. San Francisco. Yeah. I think I think I'm too Catholic. I'm thinking about refuge. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, gentlemen, our our time is up here tonight. Unfortunately, we can, I could listen to Robert for hours. You're the best, just, Robert. Just educating us, but uh, our time is going to be up. Uh, Robert, I'm sure that we're going to want to have you back on, and thank you very much for coming back on tonight. But, Ken uh, Hovind, we want you back on, Ken. We yeah, we'll, we're going to reach out to all of his buddies, and maybe uh, maybe we can get a little debate going on here with one of his cronies. And, oh, uh, hey, Robert, it. he always says he'll take three professors on at a time. Will you take him, Hanson, and uh, Brady at the same time? I'll take all three of them on. Woo, you heard it here. <laughs> as, as long as we take one issue at a time and I get equal time. That's, That's right. right. I love That's it. Right. Everybody, we'll see you next week with the Michael Saunders Show. Everyone say goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you, Robert. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed and learned from this edition of The Michael Saunders Show. Please join Michael and co-host Warren Whitus again next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we talk again, have an amazing week. And thanks again for listening.